Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, and we are on episode 38. Let's do a little after-action review of General Conference. I just, um, I just came back from the, uh, from the temple. Uh, I, I hadn't done initiatories since I went through, and that was in 2004. So I'd done plenty of other, you know, for a while there, all I did really was endowments. And then when I got married, and after a long time of being married, um, I branched out and we started to do ceilings, and ceilings are really cool. And the wife today wound up going to a field trip. I, I'm lucky enough to have Fridays off. So that's when me and my wife usually go to the temple. But today my wife was scheduled to go on a field trip with my youngest. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make sure I go to the temple. So I went and I signed up for some initiatories and uh, they changed a lot, quite a bit since 2004 and I've seen some of you veterans out there are probably saying well yeah it changed a lot since when I went through to 2004 right um really cool stuff really cool stuff going through the initiatory noticing some things now that I'm a little bit more uh seasoned spiritually and seasoned with things of a symbolic nature of the temple um Really cool stuff. I'm going to definitely add that to to the to the uh, the list for things to talk about on a podcast one of these days. We'll see if it's going to be the next one or not, but one of these days. Um, General Conference. Let's get back to, to the road to Damascus here. General Conference. So in the military, we always, um, whenever you did something, whenever you had like... Whenever you had an exercise, whenever you did anything, really, you always tended to have an after-action review, right? Where everybody gets together, you talk about what you did good, you talk about what you did bad, you talk about what you can improve on, uh, strengths, weaknesses, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. It's just kind of taking stock of how the exercise went. Well, in looking at general conference... Um, I, I, I like to do an after-action review because it's funny. So many people were disappointed. I shouldn't say so many people. I talked to some people who were disappointed by how, how there wasn't any big revelations, right? Uh, Joseph Smith didn't come back and, and conduct the meeting and stuff like that. You know, whatever. I, um, I love General Conference. It was exactly what I needed to hear. It really was. We're supposed to be living our lives, brothers and sisters, as if the Savior were coming tomorrow. Like, that is supposed to be a given, right? We're supposed to be living our lives as if Christ is going to show up tomorrow. And, especially after celebrating Passover and stuff like that, and and seeing the symbolism of them eating unleavened bread so that they could, you know, they, they, 
they had everything ready to go. They were like Minutemen, right? They were like Israeli Minutemen. Children of Israel, Minutemen. And that's how we're supposed to be as well. We're supposed to be ready. We're supposed to have everything in order. Everything's supposed to be done in wisdom and order so that we can be ready. And we are supposed to be looking forward to the day when the Master returns, when the King returns, right? We're looking forward to, uh, quote-unquote, the second coming. Now, again, we've covered this before, but for we've been getting a lot of um, new listeners, so let's cover it again real quick. When we talk about the second coming, brothers and sisters, what we're talking about is not just one thing that happens, right? There's four occurrences of the Savior coming back. That are big occurrences, right? We here in in America will will see him at a different time than when the entire world sees him. When the entire world sees him, he comes with fire, right? He comes to purge the wickedness from off the face of the earth. Um, seeing all the natural disasters and th- things like that, like Mother Earth is reacting to the sin, to the degradation and stuff, that the evil, the outright evil, wicked Sodom and Gomorrah stuff that is existing upon her, and there is a huge uptick in natural disasters. If you look at it from the 1950s until now, they went, you know, since they've recorded it, I think it was up to 2012 was when I was looking, there was a 1,000% increase in natural disasters, right? The earth is reacting to sin right now, and it's getting worse. From 2012 to now, it's getting worse. That is, the earth is looking forward to the return of the king, to return of of Messiah. Now, I bring that up in conjunction with General Conference and doing an after-action review because... I think that we're supposed to be accepting the fact that, yeah, Jesus is going to come back. That's, that's our reality that we live in. Um, and we are totally okay with people making fun of us for believing such things and for hanging on to, quote-unquote, these foolish traditions and these antiquated notions, you know, the whole the whole uh, uh, Judeo-Christian values, the Ten Commandments, all that stuff, we should just trade it in for communism, right? Because <laughs> that always ends well for everybody. Um, you know, we're, we're living and we're supposed to live in that reality, the reality that Jesus Christ is going to come back. And so... Having that in mind, I think a lot of people, a lot of our people, and Christendom as a whole, we are showing up to General Conference, and we're almost hyper-aware of everything that's happening. Like, almost to a, I don't want to say to our detriment, but in, in a way, we're we're looking at like every teeny little thing, and then we're full of disappointment when something doesn't happen, and that's it's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not the goal. That's that wasn't. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. When we get a general conference like we just had, 
a call for love, a call for peace, right? Um, it was exactly what I needed to hear. The feeling that I got from General Conference was there is a lot of stuff going on that you cannot control. There is a lot of stuff going on that you can't possibly be expected to prepare for. And that gives me anxiety. When I, when I don't have control of preparations, when I don't have an ability to prepare for things that are going to happen, that gives me wicked anxiety. I, I hate that, you know. We've been, we've been admonished by the brethren, by prophets and apostles, for years and years to have uh, food storage. I think the last time I checked, it was 2% of the church population that had any food storage to speak of. Now, that's not always the fault of the member. There are countries where they, they call that food hoarding. Really, that's just a, it's an exercise in, in control. It's, whether it's a dictatorship or whether it's, whether it's a communistic or socialistic you know, which is just communism's kissing cousin, whether it, it, it's that type of regime that they are under, that type of governance, they won't be allowed to prepare in that way. They, they're pretty much just going to have to prepare in a spiritual fashion. But we here in, in the land of Zion, we here in the land of our first fathers, Adam, Eve, uh, clear on down through Noah, right? We we here in the land of the Nephites in in North America. We have the the liberty for now to do so. There is so much going on in the world, like I was saying, and there is so much that we cannot be prepared for. We just can't. And in going to general conference hearing the messages of Easter, hearing the messages of Christ's triumph, His atoning triumph and resurrection over the sting of death. And then hearing messages on, look, you can't control everything that, that, that's going on right now, but you can control yourself. We all need to hear that, brothers and sisters. That is a message that we all absolutely need to hear. President Nelson talked about how there was a, a need for peacemakers. Now for me, I look at some of the things that are happening, some of the, especially the mentality of a lot of these, it would seem, demon-possessed people men and women who will attack Christians, who will attack freedom-loving people, right? And I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not getting um, political right now. I'm, I'm saying this very generally and loosely, but you can probably see in the news, you can see what's going on in the country. There is a rise in hate. There is a rise in a, a call for a communistic 
revolution and stuff like that. And that never ends well for people of faith. It just doesn't. And for me, I, I, I almost am like, we need to prepare for a fight. We need to prepare like the Nephites did. We need to get all of our people into one place and, and, and dig up the, the earth, you know, dig up some, some ditches and put the earth up on the bank so that it's going to make it hard for them to attack us and stuff. That's where my mind is going to. And in a, in a sense, we are supposed to do that. Maybe not physically, but maybe spiritually we're supposed to do that. That's what, not just listening and going to General Conference and, and participating in General Conference, but when you understand, when you are, when you go to General Conference with the intention to sup, right? To sup. You're showing up there to be fed spiritually. You are digging up those banks of earth round about your city and your, you, you know, the city of your family and stuff like that. We absolutely need to be peacemakers right now. There is so much going on that is just outside of our control. There, I've seen it in, in our own church. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how when you get so polarized, when our beliefs become so polarized, um, I don't know how you do that. That is something that is going to take the Spirit and the light of Christ to accomplish. It really is. It's one of those things where I, as I was like, that is a tall order, uh, President Nelson. That's a tall order. And it's, it's not supposed to be easy. It's really not. The whole time that I was listening to General Conference, I thought to myself, man, this is... I would say that it was like a milk toast conference. That sounds derogatory. It's not meant to be. It's a good thing. The stuff that we are hearing wasn't groundbreaking stuff. This is stuff we've heard before. However, there was a huge focus on Jesus Christ. There's a huge focus on Jesus Christ, and that is not by accident. That is not by accident. That is because we are nearing a time when he is going to come back. If you look at the admonitions of the prophets, of the apostles, there is a slight language change as time goes on. It goes from, from you know, there will come a time to time is running out to time is nearly out, right? Like, w there is a sense of urgency that you can hear in the voices of the brethren, of the prophet, the mouthpiece, as we are admonished again and again to love our neighbors, to control what you can control, to watch yourself, right? If we all take that advice, we will change the world. Just, just like President Nelson said, we will change the world. That's how powerful that advice really is. And it's hard. It's an easy thing to hear. It's an easy thing to try to implement in your life. But it's hard. It's hard to be a peacemaker. You know, it's it's... I'm sure it's hard for some people to hear 
a man of God speak, and then for you to have to, you know, bow your head and say yes. That's hard for people. There's a certain humility that has to come along with that, you know. I, I think it's human nature to think, you know what, we know better. And the prophet, he's, he's not covering what he's supposed to be covering. Brothers and sisters, he's covering exactly what he's supposed to be covering. He is covering what Jesus Christ wants him to cover with us. In these generalized conferences for the church as a whole, the advice generally is, hey, step it up, love your neighbor, be a peacemaker, get back to the basics, right? Anybody who, who did a sport, like wrestling, anybody who, jiu-jitsu, football, whatever, choir, piano, pick your instrument, right? Anybody who's done that knows that the fundamentals, you have to have fundamentals. And if you can master the fundamentals, you are dangerous, man. You are a dangerous foe, right? If we can master these fundamentals, we will see eye to eye with the city of Enoch, brothers and sisters. I'm convinced of that. If we can master these fundamentals, there is nothing that will be held back from us as a people. I had an interesting talk with my cousin about General Conference. Shout out to, uh, to my, my homeboy Nick, my cousin. We, we were discussing General Conference, and he had one of the coolest revelations that he shared with me. And as, as he was mulling over General Conference and then speaking to me about it, he said, you know, I had a thought. And that thought was, remember Naaman in the Old Testament, right? He was the, the captain of the guard. He shows up to Elijah to be healed of his leprosy. He was a leper. Elijah doesn't even come out of the tent or wherever he was. He doesn't come out. He sends his servant Gehazi out and says, Hey, Gehazi, tell him to do this. So Gehazi goes out and, and speaks to Naaman. And Naaman was a little bit insulted because he was a man of, of station, right? So his servant comes out and says, uh, Naaman... The prophet says, go bathe in that dirty, muddy river that probably doesn't have a whole lot of water in it, right? Whatever the case was, it was seen as being way beneath Naaman. He was insulted. He said, hey, bathe in that thing seven times and you'll be cured of your leprosy. And Naaman left in a huff, right? He was upset. He was like, are you kidding me? Leaves. And on the way, his servant, I'm sure somewhat trepidatiously, starts speaking to his master and says, Hey, Naaman, if, uh, if I may, if the prophet would have asked you to do some great thing, would you have done it? And Naaman thinks about it for a second. He says, Yeah, I would have, absolutely. And then the servant's like, well, he asked you to do a really, really easy, basic thing. 
maybe you should just try it. What do you have to lose? You're going to still be a leper if it, if you go bathe and it doesn't work, right? Why not? He didn't ask you to do like some, you know, one of the uh, labors of Hercules, right? You didn't have to go slay the, uh, the, the, what is it, the, oh, I can't remember the, the name of that lion. The Namian lion or something like that. I can't remember. But, you know, he's, he didn't ask you to do some crazy thing. He didn't ask you to go sl- slay some troll under a bridge, you know, or go conquer this unconquerable people. He asked you to do something very basic and very simple. And so Naaman is like, you know what, that's pretty good advice. Okay, let, let, let's go do it. Turns around, does it, boom, healed. He's healed. 110%. He's healed. He's been made whole. And you can see the gratitude that he comes back. He, he wants to give he wants to give Elijah gifts and stuff like that, right? And Elijah's like, no, nah, we, we don't take gifts. Gehazi took some gifts and wound up inheriting some leprosy. <laughs> bad, you know, lesson to be to be learned there. You feel bad for Gehazi, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man, you know. But my cousin said, you know, in general conference, we are getting the advice. We are getting the advice from a servant of the Lord. Right? We're expecting... There's so many people that are like, they don't want to hear anything unless it comes from the lips of Christ. And that is not how Christ does things. It's not. He had a mortal ministry, yes. He was here to fulfill a very specific mission. But the way that things are are happening now are the way that they happened since Adam. He typically doesn't show up and give you the advice that you need, right? He He will do that with a prophet. And then he tells the prophet, tell it to everybody else, right? That is the pattern. That is how things were done with Adam clear on down through Moses. And then Christ comes. He he takes up that prophetic mantle himself in order to fulfill the atonement. He then leaves the church in the hands of Petros, Peter, the rock, right? And says, upon this rock will I build my church. It lays out the foundation in the New Testament, right? In 2 Thessalonians. Okay? This is the foundation. A prophet with apostles, with me, Jesus Christ, being the chief cornerstone. This is how we're going to do this. This is the blueprint. By the way, Christ is the architect of that blueprint, right? This is how it's done. And people are throwing away the advice that was given to Gehazi. They're throwing it away. And they're expecting some big thing to happen. They're expecting the the twelve or, or, or the, the ten lost tribes to show up out of out of you know a hole in the ground. And st- like we're not there yet, guys. That that's not what we're there yet. I keep coming back to to President Kimball saying, the Lord will have a tried people. We are supposed to be tested, brothers and sisters, 
And this, what we're going through right now, is a test. I think something to understand is that since the time of Joseph Smith, it has been that generation who is alive. It has been that generation's mission to redeem Zion. I don't know if you knew that or not. Okay, go back to DNC and do some research on that. They were commanded to come in wisdom and order to sell their homes and to go and to establish Zion in Missouri, right? They didn't listen to the advice. And as a result, they were expelled from Zion. They were not allowed to redeem Zion. They were not allowed to build New Jerusalem. But every subsequent generation has had the opportunity to do so. We just aren't there yet. And at some point, the Lord will take the reins and say, You have had plenty of opportunities. It is now time for me to make this happen. Okay? Now, that's not... I'm, I'm not trying to to dog on every generation and, and ours. It's just... It's just the way it is, right? It's, 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 we're just, we're, the church is full of people, and people, we just have a hard time pulling it together. We really do. It's a miracle that we are able to make this a worldwide church where people join it, because people can do stupid things. People can say stupid things, right? The advice that we got at General Conference, the stories we heard, the Admonitions we received were basic in nature. How many of us are actually implementing them, are actively trying to implement them? I had to catch myself today on the way home from the temple. I got into traffic, right? Some guy was was riding my bumper. And I immediately wanted to fantasize about having a, a... a wrestling match, you know, at the very least, a wrestling match with this guy. <laughs> I wanted to kick his butt, right? That was immediately after I got from the temple. I had to catch myself. Luckily, I was still in the zone enough to realize that I felt my countenance shift. I literally felt my countenance shift. I went down a few notches and I said, Whoa, I don't want that to happen. I, I want to stay up here in this higher plane doing the initiatories and stuff like that was incredible. I'm understanding things I never understood before. And as soon as I had that moment of anger, right? I had that that moment where I wanted to kick somebody's butt. (laughs) Okay? A little bit of road rage hit me. I felt my my countenance shift and I said, this is... I, I, I had this revelation. I said, this is what it's all about. It's not about listening with your with your eardrums to general conference. It's about taking what was said and making it happen in your life. And if everybody does that, right? It's just like when you go to the temple. You are there as an individual. But you're there with a bunch of other individuals who are doing the same thing. That's, that's what we're doing. We're receiving further light and knowledge from a servant of the Lord. 
What are you doing with that further light and knowledge, brothers and sisters? Is he casting his pearls before swine, or are we taking these these admonitions, these, these pearls of great price, and are we implementing them? I had to do a gut check on myself. And I said, you know what, I don't think I'm implementing these well enough. Something that stands out to me. King Lamoni in the Book of Mormon, right? He's just incredibly impressed with Ammon to the point where he's like astonished. He can't believe that this is just a mere mortal, right? And Ammon shows up and humbly tells him, look, this is not anything of my own strength that I have done. Everything I have done, I've been preserved by the hand of God. And it is the hand of God that saved me from your brethren who are scattering the sheep, right? Nothing I did is incredible. It's all God. Praise be to God, right? Through the teaching of Ammon, King Lamoni says, I want to know this Jesus Christ. I want to know this being that you're telling me about, right? This person who I think is the great spirit that we were taught about. I'm getting some extra stuff here, and I want to know this person. I want to know this God, right? And something very important happens in King Lamoni's attitude, and his countenance shifts, and he says, I will give up my sins to know him. That is not an idle statement. That is, there is so much power in that statement. There's so much behind that, so much feeling behind that, that I think that we just skim over sometimes. If you are willing to give up your sins, you're willing to decouple from the world, from Babylon. When I say the world, I mean Babylon, right? Are you ready to decouple from Babylon? Are you ready to cancel all of your streaming services because they are trying to actively indoctrinate our children into a into a transphobic thing, right? Or not transphobia. Into a trans movement where that if you don't partake of that, then you are transphobic. Then the problem is you, right? They are after our kids, brothers and sisters. They are after our immortal souls. I had a discussion with my sons. We were all sitting there together. My wife was there. You know, I, I think back to my past, and I, and I do so when I talk to my kids, and my wife does the same thing. Me and my wife both had rebellious streaks in us when we were younger, right? My wife grew up in a very abusive home, so she didn't have a lot of the foundation that I did. So I, I guess she wasn't rebellious. She just had to figure things out, right? She had to find her way to Christ on her own that way. There was a time when I, 
I knew what I was doing, and I was rebelling against God, and I'm ashamed of that time in my life. I, I just, I was a kid, I was a teenager, but I'm still, I look back on that, and it's hard not to get down on yourself, and, and I shouldn't, because the, the atonement is real, right? But I think about that when I talk to my sons, and I've told them, you guys, you know, we have to be... I said, don't, don't be stupid like I was. Don't be stupid like I was. I don't tell them anything specific, obviously. But I, I, you know, I let them know that there is a right way and there is a hard way, right? There, there is the, the straight and narrow gate and then there's a road that if you take, you might make it back to the straight and narrow gate, but you might not. It's a risky road, and I don't advise anybody to take that road. I don't advise my sons or my daughters to take that road, right? We were speaking with, with our boys, and I told them, I said, Guys, we are made, us men, and you can apply this to women as well, absolutely, especially now. But I said, we are made in a certain way. We are made... To, to like certain things about women, right? It's how we're made. It's a, it's a God-given drive within us. That drive is so powerful that it's even been said that it is second only. Or it, it is, yeah, it, the drive is second only to the will to survive. That's power, powerful drive. And we are here to learn to control that drive, right? I told him, I says, guys, there are, there are fish hooks out there on the internet. There are fish hooks out there with, in some cases, there, there are some, you know, Satan will use girls. He'll use anything at his disposal. He'll put those fish hooks out there. And if you allow yourself to get hooked, then you will know sorrow like you've never known. It may not happen immediately, but you will know sorrow. Like you will never ever understand. I shared with them a lot of experiences about people who used to be in my family. Uh, very good friends of mine as well. Who have traveled down that road to, uh, of addiction. Have traveled down that road of, of immorality and stuff. And where it leads you. I told them, guys, it, you will have a moment there. You'll have a moment where you'll, maybe you'll feel excited or exhilarated or thrilled with, with what you're doing. You, but you will be left by yourself with nothing. With nothing but guilt and shame for what you've done. And they listened. They were listening. <laughs> and I hope they continue to do so. But it was making sense to them. I could see I was getting through. It was jiving with them, you know. And again, you know, I, I, married a, I married a girl that had a kid. So my wife has been able to give very valuable insight and say, hey, there's, there's a right way. There's a right path. And there's a really, really risky, difficult path where you may not make it. And I... It's risky. 
it is a test. This life is absolutely a test. We are in the test right now. And we are watching our brothers and sisters fall left and right. And how many of these brothers and sisters would be saved if they would only listen to what the mouthpiece was telling them? Ultimately, to listen to what Christ is telling them. It is a sobering, sobering thought. You know, when we, when we look at decoupling from the world, when we look, at, especially like for me, I look at that and I think, oh, but I, but I love this show, right? I love watching Mountain Man. I love that show, right? It's a series on, on Discovery+. Plus. Love that show, man. There's so many good shows, you know, but we slowly, 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 we are being inundated with filth. We have this awesome pan of brownies. And slowly, 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 a little bit of poo-poo is being introduced to the brownies, right? And you can't tell where it's at. <laughs> Do you want to feed that pan of brownies to your kids? You don't know where that poo-poo made it in that brownie mix, right? Which kid's going to get it? Who's, who's going who's gonna to draw the, the straw, you know what I mean? Who, who wins the lotto <laughs> on that one? And gets the brownie that has that nastiness in it, right? There was a patriarch in one of my older wards that I spoke to. And I said, how do you do it? How? It blows my mind to this day, brothers and sisters, that these guys are able to stay in a spiritual state. To receive revelation like they do to declare lineage to declare a person's scripture for him. How do you do it? I asked him. Patriarch, how do you do it? He says, well, pretty much I, uh, I have to sacrifice. And I says, well, what, what do you mean by that? He says, well, I can't watch TV. I uh, have to be careful about what I listen to on the radio. I try not to listen to too much stuff like that. I obviously have to be careful about the words that I use and the things that I say. I have to actively try to live in that elevated spiritual realm. Now, that blows me away and astonishes me and impresses me to no end. However, when you think about the fact that if he can't do that, his wife... It's not like she can watch TV in the other room. She's having to take this journey with them. They are one in this journey. He had to decouple from the world to live in that higher sphere. And I was talking about that with my cousin. And, and I said, I think it's time to decouple from the world, you know. You can't even jump on YouTube without finding smut and, and filth. Are we willing, brothers and sisters, and I ask this to myself. I ask this to myself because I, I have 
things that I don't want to give up. You know what I mean? I have shows I don't want to give up. But are we, are we able, are we ready to decouple from the world and to apply these basic doctrines, these basic principles into our lives? Are we, are we going to actively be peacemakers? Are we actively going to try to create an environment where the spirit thrives? Are you willing to sacrifice for that? It's easy to think about, very hard to actually do. General Conference was exactly what we needed to hear right now. In this world of, of war, of potentially nuclear war, of World War III, of all of these Gadianton robbers who have gotten above us, who are slowly choking the Tree of Liberty out. We needed to hear that. That was something I needed to hear. Brothers and sisters, these men, they are flawed, yes. But they are men who stand in place of the previous apostles. They receive their priesthood from the previous apostles, right? They're standing in place of Peter, James, John, Wright, Bartholomew, all these guys. These guys that we read about and venerate in the scriptures, they are standing in, in place of those brethren. And it is their time now to sacrifice their lives to give us the word of God that we need to hear, the advice, the scripture of our day. What are we doing with that? This isn't a game. This is real. Jesus Christ is going to come back, right? He's going to come back at Adam on Diamond, which for all we know has already happened. We don't know. That's going to happen. We probably won't know about it. He will come back when the city of, of Zion is built in New Jerusalem and we have constructed the temple. He will accept the temple. And he will bless us with his presence, those of us who are, who are lucky enough to be a part of that. I'm trying to get over there so that they have to accept me, no matter what. <laughs> trying to get over to Missouri so I could be a part of building New Jerusalem, right? Say, so, hey, I'm here, i got a temple recommend, you guys got to take me. Okay, he will come for that. He will come and rescue the Jews when they are besieged and when they are about wiped out. He will split the Mount of Olives for them. They will retreat and they will recognize Messiah. And they will mourn because their people, their ancestors crucified their Messiah but they will accept their Messiah. 
He will then, after that, come and show himself to the entire world where he will. His very presence will burn the wickedness away from the, from the world. His celestial light will purge the wickedness from this world. I look forward to that day. I'm tired of this. I can only imagine how the earth feels. I want to raise my children in safety with conservative people who have conservative values, who love Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I love you guys. I pray that you guys are doing everything that you can to prepare yourselves that you are being cities on a hill that you're not hiding your light that you are letting your light shine forth be the peacemaker take the higher road Apply the principles and the doctrine and the advice that we receive from General Conference. Apply it for the next six months. And show up to the next conference ready. What do I got to do now? Bear my testimony, brothers and sisters. I know this church is true. I know that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is Messiah. And it is because of him that people like me, imperfect men, imperfect women, who made foolish decisions and choices in their past can come back. We can come back and be made pure through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can hopefully raise our voice in your way, in our way. I'm doing it in my way. This is my way. I'm raising my voice in support of the Lord's anointed, in support of Christ. And I'm hopefully doing it like I did in the pre-existence before I came here to earth to receive this mortality this test. Remember who you are, brothers and sisters. I love you guys, and I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.